Checkpoints, the video game book club podcast. Today we're wrapping up our discussion of Enslaved Odyssey to the West. I'm your host Marcus, and joining me today, as always, are the homies. First off, we have Greg. What up? Next, we have Dante. What's good? And last but not least, we have the homie Trevor. What's going on? Um, so we are picking up where we left off from the first part. So I believe the last thing. Um, at the last part, we just met up with Pigsy. So we're in the um, swamp area. We are going, uh, clearing out the mechs, getting to Pigsy land, and we run into this 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 guy. He's this fat, this short, fat guy that has a lot of pig-like attributes. Uh, he has like a metal pig snout, uh, like a, a like it's like a monocle that has like a pig ear on it. Um, he has a lot of pig memorabilia, I guess you could say, in his uh, swamp area. And um, basically, he is uh, Tripp's father's friend, and he is going to help us uh, get revenge. Uh, I think the beginning of this chapter, chapter 10, um, Tripp basically reveals to Pigsy what happened to her father, and basically he agrees to help out in her quest for vengeance for her father. Um, and he, he kind of lays out the groundwork for what they need to do and what is going on in his part of the world. Uh, he lives in a swamp and he's saying there's a lot of, uh, slave active or slavers activity in his, in the swamps. They're, uh, picking up parts and scrap for, to build a mega mech that he has dubbed the, uh, Leviathan. And, um, his plan is to basically follow the, sh- the slaver ships that are picking up all this scrap metal and follow it back to the Leviathan site. Um, and at this point you guys, uh, are tasked with helping him find scrap parts to help fix up his ship, uh, so you guys can, uh, follow the slave ship. So this is almost like a fetch, uh, there's a lot of fetching, uh, pieces in this mission. So, uh, the first part you, you rate, you race him up this trash mountain to find a distributor. Uh, so that's like a little, uh, there's a lot of like tongue in cheek uh, cross talk between the two of you guys. Uh, it kind of at this point you can kind of see some of his abilities. So he has like a grapple hook here that he uses to help because he's he's not as uh, athletic. He's not nearly as athletic as Monkey is. So he has a grapple hook. Um, uh, then uh, I think after you find the distributor, you have to find a supercharger and a heat sink. And for that, you have to go into a mech factory. And um, th- these parts have a combination of puzzles. Uh, there's some combat sequences and some platforming. So there's a good variety here. And um, you're doing a lot of puzzles that require you to do stuff with Trip, whether you pick her up and toss her somewhere. To, uh, and all this time, Pixie, he he's using another one of his abilities where he has a sniper rifle. So he can kind of 
basically watch your back and watch uh, Trip's back as uh, he's covering for you. And um, at the very end of this mission, Pixie kind of uh, he he asked if you and uh, you and Trip are going together, like if you guys are dating. And uh, it's really it's really weird. And uh, he kind of reveals that he has feelings for Trip. And he kind of sneakily asks uh, Trip if she's interested in him, which she kind of just blows him off. And uh, it's some weird stuff with this pixie fella. So um, I'm going to kick it to you first, Don, uh, Trevor, since this is uh, your story. Like, how do, you, how do you feel about Pixie? Like, after the initial reveal of the character and then how his character is being developed in this chapter? Um, you can definitely get some some creepy vibes from him. He he's not a page because I like when you first get introduced to him, I automatically assumed he was going to be more like Page since um, uh, Trip already knew him, and he was going to be like kind of like a not necessarily a father figure, but just someone watching over Trip. Yeah, but man, was I wrong? Right. <laughs> <laughs> He he has some similar attributes where he's like handy, you know, like he's a mechanic type of yeah. character, and he has gadgets. So he has the grappling hook, he has the snipers. He also has, I think it's revealed in this chapter, he has like explosive charges, which you he he kind of throws down these charges that you can shoot with your staff to uh, make them explode and either knock over some debris or clear a, pa- a path. To go forward, so he is useful as a as a partner. Um, what about you, uh, Greg? How do you feel about Pigsy? Because uh, you you didn't get up to him when you played the first time, right? So this is new to you as well. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think kind of like everybody else, or, or I'm assuming everybody else, we all kind of felt like he was going to be kind of like Paige, but you know, he really didn't turn out like that. Um, <laughs> I I don't really care for him too much and he comes off a little creepy um he's a pig it, oh yeah <laughs> that, that is true um but yeah I, I don't i don't know like i think at this point i haven't really like kind of grown a connection to him but um i think he introduces some kind of cool stuff to the gameplay um so yeah so far it's kind of how i feel about him at this point what about you, Dante? So this is you coming back to this game. Do, do you remember your impressions of Pixie your first playthrough? And Not really. I don't remember too much about him. I definitely remember the character just because he has such a unique design mm-hmm. um, in general for video games. I thought that was kind of cool. Personality-wise, I'm, I'm pretty Pixie neutral. I don't really have a strong reaction like one way or another for him. At this point or just in general? Overall, um, for right now, we'll just say at this point. Okay. Um, I know for me, uh, I I don't really remember much about Pigsy. I remember liking his character, uh, but and I was excited when we were getting to him this playthrough. But then when I was playing this chapter, I'm like, why do I like this character again? Is it just the grapple hook? Is that the only reason? Um. So yeah, I'm kind of like at this point I was like, why why do I why do I feel like I like this character? Like why do I remember liking this character? Because like, he's not really redeeming right now, minus the the gameplay uh, aspects. 
Trevor, you have something you want to add? Uh, one thing I do like about him, and I don't know if this may rejog your memory, but the banter between Pigsy and and uh, Monkey was, you know, kind of comedic at times. I mean, yeah, they're like basically from the moment Pigsy meets up with Monkey, it becomes a competition between the two. Yeah, and so he and it's funny because he sees it as a competition, so he's trying to one up Monkey, but Monkey's. And, and it's not even that Monkey feels he's superior to Pixie, like he doesn't see him. It's just that he's not even thinking about that, you know? He's trying to do his mission. And Pixie is the one that's like, you know, uh, being a, a annoyance to him. And I don't know, that actually made the character less redeeming for me in a way. Like, I, I think it's a good change of pace from what we've had before, where it was just kind of like, monkey was at trips beck and call but at the same time it's like damn like he's doing everything this one person says on one end and on the other end like this character is just being super annoying too so it's like monkey's kind of in the middle you know in a sense see what you did there yeah yeah (laughs) how long did you shop that one around uh you know two seconds (laughs) it just came natural um do you guys have anything you wanted to say about the Mech Factory? And just, did, did you guys feel that setting was uh, interesting at all? Like a Mech Factory in the swamp area? or This is, this isn't the, like, boat scene, is it? No, no. If you got, I mean, like, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, the only thing I want to say about the Mech Factory is bleh. Like, it's just kind of, I remember when I think about Enslaved, a large portion of what I think about is the first half of the game that we played. So I was came into this uh, second half like, what exactly is there that stands out? And like, you know, we we were saying in the first part that the game is very vibrant and lush and colorful, and uh, that is not the case, especially in this this Titan Factory part. Um, there's a lot of like rusted out metal, um, a lot of like metal platform it was just a lot of metal and swamp area and like it does a better job of selling the uh uh like bombed out uh, apocalyptic vibe but that is not my <laughs> aesthetic of choice when it comes to enslaved so the this particular setting doesn't really stand out to me um <clears throat> so chapter 11 uh at this point you need to get a power cell to finish fixing uh, Pixie's ship, and he kind of he kind of says that um, it's at an old fallen Titan mech, and it kind of gives him the creeps. Uh, but he's seen one there previously. He just never gone because he's creeped out by it. And I think you start off this mission, you fight a bunch of uh, uh, waves of mechs, and they have higher ground, and they're they're shooting at you. So th- this section has a lot of ammo and a lot of cover. So it is combat heavy, but it's mostly like a shooting gallery and not necessarily hand-to-hand combat. Um, And this entire time you're kind of traversing, and this environment is a little more interesting. It's a a jungle uh, with a fallen titan that's kind of laid out across the environment, almost kind of like brothers when we were talking about those those giants that were... um, fallen in battle and you were going through rivers and you were trying to the, the the fallen giants were part of the environment that's how this giant titan mech was um and you end up fighting a rhino mech in the palm of this titan uh this fallen titan 
and this is a this is a boss fight. I believe it's the second to last boss fight in the game. But uh, you you kind of get to use uh, a lot of uh, you get to use his cloud. Uh, and you got to use the cloud to dodge the rhinos charging. Um, Pigsy is useful in this. He throws bombs that you got to shoot with your staff. And then you also have to use your staff to shoot burners in the environment to cause explosions to do damage to the rhino. And um, how, how did you guys feel about this rhino This rhino fight? Or actually even uh, bringing it back. I'll, I'll, let me finish talking about this chapter first. So <laughs> you, um, you end up taking it out by dropping one of the titan's uh, fingers on it. You, 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 like, you loosen it up. And then you have to do like a cutscene where you uh, basically drop the finger <laughs> on the the rhino, and uh, so kicking it back a little bit. The beginning of this chapter, the combat was this combat better than your favorite chapter, chapter nine, Greg? Was this because you got to use the the staff more, or? Well, uh, so I remembered from my, like the podcast last time about. I probably should have uh, dumped some... Uh, Upgrade it a little bit? Yeah. So, doing that, that made it a lot easier. Like, I, I definitely wasn't having as big of an issue as I was before. Um, to the point where, like, I think the combat that happens towards the later half of the game is kind of trivialized. Um, but, yeah, for sure, after upgrading the staff, the, the ammo part of it, um, that whole section and, like, later on is a lot easier. Okay. Um... And what did you feel about the... Because you were the only one that had a complaint about Chapter 9 being as combat-heavy because we all had at least put some points in the staff. Um, how, how did you feel about the uh, the Rhino fight, the Rhino boss battle? Um, It's kind of like... Uh, I guess it's it's almost like a uh, upgraded version of... Um, I guess it's kind of like the, the, the dog that you fight from earlier a little bit. It's just kind of the same thing of like, well, just kind of... Uh, basically lead him in this one area just play cat and mouse with him basically um but it was nice to have the platforming part of trying to bring the fingers down um so yeah i mean i think i like this a little bit more than some of the other past encounters what about you trevor how'd you feel about the rhino fight uh, i wish there was a little bit more uh, melee attacks and this i mean this entire chapter was mostly it was all shooting wasn't it yeah um, cause, well, you know, starting from the beginning of it, like when you're running through the, like the shooting gallery, mm-hmm. um, that was one part I wish I would have upped the difficulty on. Cause I mean, since I did upgrade my, um, my staff to basically where I could just fire off a stun round and then immediately fire off a, you know, a blast round, it made those enemies trivial. And then, of course, they give you... It's almost limitless ammo. Yeah, yeah, with all the little collect or drop ammo drops all over the, the yeah. battlefield. So, yeah. uh, I wish it was a little bit more difficult, but um, maybe that's my fault for choosing normal difficulty. Um, but as far as the boss battle, I thought it was cool. As y'all already know, I like mechs, so... Um, you know, that part was cool, but... Um, I don't know, just comparing it to, like, the dog boss battle, I like the dog more because, like I said, you could use melee attacks on it as well, um, where you kind of have to get a few hits in and then move out. But whereas this one, it was just kind of like, 
you know, dodging the enemy the whole time and then, um, I guess getting the right prompt to, to, um, get Pigsy to help drop the fingers on the, on the ground so you can get the rhino to run into him. I, I, how, how do you feel about it, Dante? How do you feel about this rhino fight? So, I guess just off the bat, I don't think it's as good of a fight as the dog. And does does the rhino have more than one attack? It has two does attacks. He... It has a, a charge, charge attack and a stomp attack. Okay, and a stomp. Okay. And as it as you get closer to killing it, it also it's also able to control like its movement more. Cause I think, I think that's the entire fight, I believe. Because I kind of noticed, like, at the beginning, it charges straight, but then after, like, the after two hits, it starts to, like, steer towards you. I... Keep going, Dante. I want to I hear what you, the rest you got to say about this rhino fight. And I guess my other, like, I don't want to say major gripe, but my other thing is it does the thing that I've pretty much said all throughout part one, where you hit it the first time, you figure out what to do, Second time, you have to do something slightly different, but instead of giving you the option of figuring it out, Trip pretty much says, hey, make him run into this thing, or hey, shoot this glowing thing up here, before like you even have the option of figuring that out yourself. So, I think that's a big that thing. I feel like that's just kind of like a bigger issue with the game in general, right? Like, it's just yes. kind of, it just pretty much just, you know tells you everything to do and there's not really like a whole lot of discovery to it i i, I played this boss a bunch because i was going for the achievement so i ended up resetting this boss a bunch and i think i prefer this boss to the dog mostly because it's not i felt more and maybe it was because of the way i was playing but i didn't really like the um when with the dog, when you're using the cloud, you're just using the cloud to create space, create a distance so you could stun it. And in this, you're using the cloud as a way to get out of the way. And I, I preferred that method. Wait, and you can use a cloud in this fight? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I didn't figure that out until I died a couple of times. I was the like, hold on, because roll works just good enough. You know, yeah, I does. guess I was having an issue with the uh, regular roll. I guess maybe I was just timing it bad. It, I, I was having issues with timing the roll a couple of times when you when you hit it with a bomb and then it lands on its slide side and it's still sliding at you. A couple of times I got hit by him uh, when I was trying to roll out the way. So um, yeah, you can do this boss on the cloud. So I feel like I, I like the implementation. So it's it's funny that you say that Dante because in one hand they do point out some ways the way to beat this boss, but I'm not saying that the boss was difficult, but the way I played the boss made it a little bit easier to dodge it, and that was something that the game didn't point out to you. Um, I do, like I said, I I like using the cloud to get out of the way of the rhino in this versus, like I said, with the dog, it was just mostly to create space. Um, I also like that there's not a lot of enemies that you fight in this game point blank period that you use the bombs on 
So that's a little bit different with this, where any any regular fodder enemies you can just you know stun and then run up and hit them with like like the dog. So I like the combat, I guess you could say. It kind of is a little bit boring just because the entire level leading up to this has been a shooting gallery, so it kind of doesn't stand out as much. But I, overall, I, I like this boss. Um, it's not my favorite boss in the game, but I, I do like it better than the dogs. Um, I guess the one other thing I'll say about it is I feel like I've seen this boss a million other times in games. Yes, yeah, yeah. I will, I will, yeah. No argument there. Um, basically stand on the other side of the field, the boss gets angry or something and charges at you, dodge out of its way, it runs into the wall, rinse, repeat. I'm going to add that concept page to Giant Bomb right now. The bullfight. <laughs> there we go. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, after you drop the finger on the rhino to take it out, Pigsy and Monkey, who has still, even in this chapter, have been going at it, competing... Uh, Monkey trying to accomplish the mission, Pigsy trying to one-up Monkey and compete compete for Trip's heart, and they get in an argument, uh, basically because Pigsy withheld the fact that the rhino was there. He was like, hey, the power cell's there, go get it, Monkey. And so Monkey unknowingly goes into the palm of this mech to get the power cell, and that's when he gets jumped by the rhino. He's, he's rightfully upset about almost dying because Pigsy didn't tell him that. Um, but uh, Pigsy is basically just mad that Trip seems to have more interest in Monkey than she does in Pigsy. Um, and so the, while the entire time them two are arguing, I don't know what Trip is doing, but she wakes up the rhino somehow, and it basically ta- she's like standing on top of it or something, and it takes off with her holding onto it for dear life. And this is another one of those chase sequences uh, that you have to utilize the cloud. And you basically have to catch up to this runaway rhino that, uh, that and save Trip from the rhino before it kills her. Um, and uh, it ends up like running into a burner and ex- bursting into an explosion. And it's kind of actually kind of amusing because um, you save her at the last minute. And Pigsy sees the explosion. He, he's way behind you guys. So he sees the explosion. He's looking at it through his sniper lens. And he, like, kind of does a, a fist pump to himself because uh, he thinks that Monkey is dead. And then he sees that Monkey gets up and helps uh, trip out. And he, like, looks very disappointed. And it, it also, it's a little telling about this this character and just, like, how unlikable he is. Like, he, where he wants this character to die so he has no competition for Trip, even though they're both trying to help her get revenge for her father. So it's kind of, uh... It's weird. It's weird. And, uh, does that... Do you guys have any anything you need to add about Pigsy? Pigsy monkey beef? So, I did think it was kind of weird, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but Pigsy is not necessarily Trip's friend per se, but her dad's friend, right? Yeah. Okay, so he's just kind of... I forget the term for, like, old man creeping on younger women. And, and that's another reason why I thought it was just weird, is because like, you you would think with him being her dad's friend, he would be like that, have that fatherly role or even more like an uncle. And that's probably the way Trip looks at him. I think 100% that's the way she looks at him, but on the flip side, like, it's 
a little bit about his character. Like, I don't know if you guys noticed some of the design choices the team went with the character, but he has, like, a huge belt buckle that is, like, the kissing lips. And then he has he has a grapple hook hand on one hand, and his other hand he has on his knuckles is tattooed. It says sexy. I don't know if you guys noticed that. And no, I didn't looks like that. a pig. And yeah, he looks like, I mean, he's a human, but he has a very, very striking resemblance to a pig. And that is his look. It's like um, the robot parts. Um, he has like a, a robot ear that looks like a pig's ear. Mm-hmm. And the, the robot snout. snout, the robot, like, paw, that's his grapple hook. Yeah. Or hoof, I guess his you His name's Pigsy. His name is Pigsy. <laughs> he, he oinks, you know? He's just like a really grotesque, like... If you saw this dude in real life, you would be super weirded out by him. And he is, like, legitimately thinking that he, like... Not to say that, hey, if this is your thing, this is your thing. But, like, he legitimately is competing with Monkey for Tripp's heart. Whereas the other two are just, like, they are not... There's no, like, romance between the two of them at this point, you know? But he's, like, trying to insert himself into this dynamic that he thinks is a romantic one. Am I misremembering something, or did he, like, make dick jokes at some point? Hey, we'll get there. <laughs> he, yeah, yeah, he, he <laughs> he's a very gross character. And it's so weird because, like, I don't know, and this is, this is where we have to bring, lean on Trevor's knowledge, but as far as this Journey to the West story... Like the 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 original characters, like the monkey monkey character, he's like the jokester, goofy clown clown, right, Trevor? Yeah. Is there any type of romantic feelings between him and the girl? Is it um, alluded to, or is there a girl? I I thought there I I thought there was. I don't, Maybe I'm I don't wrong. think Tripatak is a, a girl. I thought because I th- well I'm I'm just I don't know the original story but I was thinking like it w- wasn't it Dragon Ball it was Goku and Bulma. Well, I mean they were more friends than romantic interest per se. Okay, so I guess in the original story is it all male characters? Um, to my knowledge, like I never okay. finished. I never finished re- rereading it. Okay, well then, never mind then, because I I, w- I always thought that the just because my knowledge of that story is through this and Dragon Ball, and I don't know Jack Squad about Dragon Ball besides character <laughs> names really, so I always just thought it was like Goku was the monkey, Bulma was the trip, and then I don't know who the pixie was in Dragon Ball. It's probably close to Master Roshi. I don't know if there's an equivalent in the actual thing. <laughs> there is a pig character. Um, anyways, uh... Anyway, about, more about stuff we do know. More about stuff we do know, or we're gonna pretend we know. Uh, chapter 12, The Dam. So, uh, this, this actually starts off pretty interesting. Um, you guys are at this point, you're in Pigsy's flying vehicle, which turns out to be, like, a, a hippie van, it looks like. And you guys are flying in the sky behind this slaver, uh, flying mech. And um, you're basically following it to the Leviathan holding facility, which is the dam base. And um, you guys get recognized as an unidentified craft by the base. And they basically are asking you to, you know, uh, reveal yourself or, like, um, tell them your ship's coordinates and everything to identify yourself. That's the word I was trying to look for. 
but um, you can't do that. So they they shoot some missiles to take you guys down, and you guys narrowly escape in the escape pod to avoid being shot down. And this is like the three of you guys are jammed into a tiny escape pod, and I think this is the the part Greg was talking about because. Pigsy tells Monkey to move his hand, and he's like, I can't really move it. Why? And he's like, your hand is on my penis. <laughs> and that that was, I think that's the joke Greg was talking about. But, I, again, it's just like, it, it's really, it, this is all played on a cutscene, but, like, it's it's kind of actually humorous because, like, he kind of, like, your hand is on mine, and he gets really, like, nervous, and he kind of whispers penis. And then he kind of, like, everybody reacts, and he kind of does, like, a the pig oinking sounds and it fades out and it's really weird but really like they I did that. I hate that I missed this because it sounds amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. I can't believe you did You did miss that. That part is great. Um, but then yeah, then when you finally get to the gameplay you guys are actually in the in the base now. You guys are snuck in via the vents. So then you, you uh, come to a glass and you see the Leviathan and it's housed in an under underwater and it is massive. It is huge. And uh, basically your plan, you, you see a lot of uh, yellow submarines, shout out to the Beatles, uh, basically servicing this Leviathan. So your plan is to gain access to one of these submarines and get onto the Leviathan. Um, so then you know, the next part is this pretty, I thought it was interesting, uh, airlock slash hangar uh, rail system puzzle where you basically have to this is where you get access to the submarine. And um, basically, Monkey uh, has to line up this rail system that these submarines won't crash into each other so you can get one to get to the airlock. Then you open up the airlock door, Pigsy and Tripp are on the submarine, and uh, Monkey has to follow on foot. And from here on, the system, the rail system is automated, so the submarine that they're riding on it just goes by itself, and you it's there. You have to open up doors and gates for the mech so it doesn't run into these uh, these obstructions. At the same time, you're getting attacked by mechs um, that are trying to prevent you from opening up these bridges and gates. Um, how do you guys feel about this this part, the the, the rail system? Like I, I remember the. The puzzle system, I think, Dante, you ran into some issues. Uh, do you want to talk about those and then just overall how you felt about the puzzles? Well, this is kind of a complicated thing because I was so half ecstatic at first when I was like, man, this game isn't telling me the solution to the puzzle. And then, lo and behold, 30, 40 minutes later, I finally start, like, I give up and I'm like, I don't know what I need to do here. And then it's like, oh, well, you need to get on this area, but you can't since you jumped back to this one other previous area. And even though the stuff lines up exactly the same, it literally won't make you, won't allow you to make this jump that you used to be able to do. So pretty much my ecstaticness about a puzzle was due to a glitch that I ran into twice. So, yeah, I'm not too hot on this. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I didn't think this puzzle really told you the solution. I thought this was one of the, the better puzzles in the game. I think once you turn one of the uh, the carts or whatever, it, it tells you... I mean, I guess it tells you she to turn does. another one, but yeah. She's like, hey, you just need to go up here, and 
it looks like you can climb like literally the thing you're next to, but you have to get on a cart and go over to this one area. And yeah, I don't know. So you're not a fan of the puzzle. How about you, Dante? I mean, uh, Greg. How'd you feel? About um, it? I liked it. I kind of, I kind of like the uh, the big environmental kind of puzzles that they have in this game. Um, so I feel like it's been a little bit of a time since they've had like introduced something like this again. So um, I, I liked it. What about you, Trevor? How'd you feel about the puzzle? That it was about the same length as the windmill puzzle, I guess. But I think I liked the windmill puzzle better because there was more traversal. Danger. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. But, like, you had to actually, like, climb onto stuff as you were, um, like, moving um, the different parts. This was like a Switch slash console. Like, pretty much. Hitting a button to make something happen puzzle. Yeah. I get that. Um, what about the next part? The uh, the defending the submarine. Uh, how, how did you like that part? It wasn't as smooth as I wanted it to be. Okay. Like, I, f- I felt like at certain parts, it was kind of like, okay, now you've got to stop and... and I don't I don't know. It just it just didn't flow. Like I thought it was I thought it was fun like the idea of it following, you know, the um like while you're you're basically defending the cart and yeah, the payload. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um but I don't know. I felt like while you because you're 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 traveling kind of at an at, at a downward slant. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. You're going down like yeah, slope like you said. Yeah. And and that part just seemed awkward to me. Like I felt like I kept getting hinged up at certain parts on there. Like trying to It also doesn't oh go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, just trying to keep up with the cart. I felt like I kept getting hinged up. Um uh, it also doesn't seem like there's much danger at all, right? Like it doesn't really seem like you're in a big rush to like clear out the obstacles or or maybe it just seemed like that to me. I, I mean, you're right. Like, um, I I think maybe I the way I had said it made it sound like the subs could run into the gates or whatever if you didn't open them in time. But they kind of just stopped, and you had to hit the button for them to keep going, which kind of was crappy. Um, later on, however, um, uh, you, you get to another room, and it's the same situation. So Pigsy is trying to open up the hatch so him and Trip can get inside the sub, and he ends up slipping off, and he grapple hooks to um, his grapple hook gets caught, and he ends up getting tangled up in his grapple hook wire and is hanging from the sub while it's still moving down the rail system. So there's a little bit of comedy slash uh, danger for in his situation, um, and at this point you have to destroy, I mean, you still have to open up gates for the sub, but you also have to shoot at fans that are, uh, he could potentially get chopped up by. So there's a little bit more danger added to this element. Cause he could die and into your chapter, you know, we have to start over or whatever. So there's a little bit more to that sequence, but ultimately the, the combat doesn't really get any much harder than it already was. Um, 
And then uh, from here on, you get to the end of the rail system. You reel up Pigsy and help him out. And then basically the three of you hop into the sub as the room fills up with water so you guys can get out to the Leviathan. So that's that's the end of Chapter 12. Um, chapter 13. Uh, this is... Uh, you guys ride your subs into the Leviathan. And this is my favorite Pigsy part. <laughs> Um, he's very impressed when you guys get inside, and this dude says, this machine is more incredible than my wettest dreams. And then Trip was like, what did you say? (laughs) And he's like, this machine, it's more incredible than my wildest dreams. And Monkey calls him out, he's like, that's not what you said. And did did you catch that, Dante? Yeah, I did. Oh, you caught that one, you didn't catch the... Okay, I guess you guys don't care for this part. You guys didn't like it, whatever. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Was it? Was the other one? Um, there was another comment he made. Was it as they were um, flying into the machinery, where he said something um, uh, alluding to? Um, ah, how did he say it? Uh, but basically, he was you know about to um, pop his load. Oh, yeah, he just said something about that. I'm like, this dude right here. Yeah, yeah. Wait, no. I I caught a different scene where he was talking about, like, I am really... No, you guys don't understand. I am really into this machine or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, he said something like that. I Actually, there's a, um enslaved uh, dialogue. I, ha- I used to have the URL, but there's a... Um, a... There's a fanfic, right? <laughs> no. Um, there's a, uh, URL somewhere that has the script for the game. And so you can see all the dialogue for the game and, uh, it's here. I mean, I don't know if you guys will be able to find it, but it was pretty interesting. Uh, some of the stuff in there, I don't know. It was like, it gave more life to the characters being able to like actually read the interactions and you can kind of see it's, it's legitimately a script because you can kind of see like read their reactions and what's kind of happening in the environment as they're talking to. So I thought, uh, that was really cool. So, something to stumble upon while I was doing research on this game. But, um, anyways, uh, chapter 13, um, you guys are in the Leviathan. There's a whole bunch of gears and machinery that is arousing uh, Pigsy. Uh, this is a lot of traversal. Uh, they're, um, a lot of platforming in this, but there are some twists. So they have these uh, these flame jets, uh, which have to be shut off, or that you have to time your jumps to. And then they have these gears that are asymmetrical that are, like, if you mess up at these parts, like doing your platforming where you hit them, it's instant deaths. So there's a little bit more um, danger to these uh, platforming here. And ultimately, what you guys are doing, this uh, Leviathan device has four legs, and each of these legs are clamped, and you basically have to get to four parts inside this Leviathan and shoot four parts on a clamp to release it, and you have to repeat that three times. And uh, once you start doing that, when you start releasing the first clamp, the outer hole starts to get breached by mechs. They're trying to uh, like drill their way in to try to get to you guys. Um, and basically, uh, Trip and Pigsy, uh, are trying to power on the mech. Wait, I'm sorry. Um, and, uh, the, the cool thing about this, when you're going to all these different clamps, 
is the shooting, like, Pixie throws four bombs on a clamp. And there's, like, a rotating fan that's going around this area. And um, they're blocking. The blades are blocking the bombs. So it's kind of like a timing puzzle where you have to shoot it when it's not being blocked. And as you get further and further along and you destroy more clamps, the blades get bigger and it's more timing involved in shooting these clamps. And I thought that was really cool. Um, Overall, like, what do you guys think about the platforming in this chapter and, like, this being in the Leviathan section? Because this, to me, is my... This might be, like, my favorite chapter in the game. Um... I'd probably agree with you. I think this is probably one of my more favorite parts of the game so far. Um, mostly because just the, uh, again, I like the big environmental puzzles. And then the fact that at least there's like some type of challenge to the platforming. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a very, you know, like steep challenge, but you know, you could potentially like miss time a jump and, and die from that or um, well, take some damage. About that. <laughs> so I thought you'd get like killed by going into the flames and stuff but it really doesn't do that much the, damage. Yeah, not the flames, the, the gears. The gears are the ones that do instant death. The flames they yeah. just uh, hurt you. No, the yeah. flames can kill Fair you enough. if you get hit by the the long blast with the flames, it will kill you. Well, I I think I mean this is not since me... we upgraded so yeah, much I guess. Yeah. 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 I I think our revive our our Either our life bar is too big, or we get health back too quickly to die. One of the two. Um, yeah, because it was literally like I jumped into one of those flames and it barely did a thing. But the gears are instant death. But either way, though, like, how do you feel about the platforming, Dante? Like, does that take away like the lack of death? Uh, does that mean this isn't a fun part, or you don't enjoy the part? Or no, I, I thought it was a fine part. Like. I kind of thought it went on a little long, to be honest, with, like, I didn't know how many of those um, little things you had to break the gears or whatever. Yeah. But it was pretty cool going through the little, like, ship and everything and hitting the glowy bits. I thought it was kind of cool because fight. they didn't streamline the the thing, so you it felt like you were crawling or, you know, inside this machine to get from one leg to the other. Where it wasn't like all four legs are right next to, or you know, all four clamps are right next to each other or anything like that. So I, I thought that was kind of cool, and um, I don't know, like it's really interesting to me that the environment in this is all me- heavy, like mechanical machinery. Like you're inside the guts of this mech, and that is my favorite level, despite not having anything to do with the environment and the stuff that I like about this game. And uh, there's, like, no hard... I mean, at this point, there's hardly... There's no combat, really. Um, It's just using your shooting and uh, platforming. And I I don't know. I I really, really enjoyed this section of the game. Um, And I even thought it was smart design how they uh, made it harder to shoot the clamps as you get further into the machine. Made it a little bit more difficult to time it. I thought that was smart. And I thought that was uh, cool as well. I thought it was really good that they added, like, additional dialogue for Pigsy every time you missed a shot. Mm-hmm. He was just kind of critiquing you the entire time. And then, um, you, you have something, Trevor? I was just going to say, this chapter has everything I like in a platformer. 
See, now that's where you messed up. Because (laughs) (laughs) I like this first, I wouldn't even say half. I would say like the first 80% of this chapter. The last 20%, I could do without. So after you release the four clamps, the mechs have breached the outer hull and are inside the the Leviathan. And at this point, Trip and Pigsy have to power the mech. Um, and Monkey has to fight off these mechs that are trying to destroy the power conduits inside. So there are four power conduits, and they take a decent amount of time to charge up, and they can only do one at a time. And by a decent amount of time, maybe like 90 seconds, a minute minute to 90 seconds to charge each of these, I think. But at this point, you have to fight multiple waves of mechs as they are trying to destroy the four conduits as they're being charged up and everything. And this part I did not like because, I mean, it you're fighting multiple different types of the mechs that they have, the, the default mechs, the shielded mechs, the explosive mechs. Um, <clears throat> but it's most, for the most part, it's hand-to-hand combat. Um, I didn't really have enough ammo at this point, um, to use my staff to shoot these mechs, so a lot of it was hand-to-hand combat, and, uh, this part was the least fun combat section for me in this game, even more so than Chapter 9. I, uh, maybe because Chapter 9, I still had enough ammo that I could shoot the enemies, but this part kind of dragged on, because it's a fairly large area, it's like a big square, and you can only go on the, along the outer ring of the square, and each of the conduits are in every corner of the square. And you could be in, like, the top left square, and then it, the bottom right one gets attacked, and you have to go all the way around to attack them. And it, and it just got really annoying to just run back and forth between these conduits. Um, is that... Did you guys not feel this great especially you greg like how do you feel the combat and this stacks up to the chapter nine stuff oh i mean it's it's just as bad like it it got super annoying like kind of like what you're saying it's just you you know it it seemed like it just kept dragging on then you had to run from one of the conduits over to the other then it's like you thought that maybe you had killed everybody and then there's still two lingering on over there and then it wasn't even like a challenging section in that they're just kind of welling on the conduit and they're not really like an immediate threat to you. Like, honestly, what about you, Trevor? Sure. It's tedious, but I didn't mind it. Like it didn't did, seem that bad to me. Did you have ammo or did you? Yeah. Hand? Yeah. I had ammo and, um, I was pretty much practicing the combos on, on the enemies. The combos. My he bad. was practicing mashing. My bad. The button, <laughs> the button mashing. <laughs> I, Sorry, I, I, I that that word tripped me for a second. I mean, to a certain extent, they are combos because you have to determine which moves to use. Like if they decide to shield, or like if you um if you have one that you can use a takedown on. Fair enough. I, I hope this little combo montage you put together will you know transfer over to our next game that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> i knew you were gonna say something like that 
So now we got we have like what is a what is a puzzle? What is a combo? Okay. <laughs> uh, what about you, Dante? How do you feel about this section? So the first time I went through this game, I think I had a lot of problems with this part because I remember not liking it and I kind of dreaded it once I got into that room and I kind of quickly recognized what was going on. But I managed to do it in my first shot this time. I think the main issue you can run into is if you just don't manage your time well. And, like, the room is set up like a square pretty much, so enemies are attacking a column over here, like in the top left corner, then they might be also in the back right corner. And it's just a matter of, like, which enemies do you attack to make sure they don't completely destroy one of them. And once you kind of get that down, you're good, but I can see how that could be frustrating. I mean, it wasn't frustrating like they were damaging it, like, and like, oh, I was messing up. It was just frustrating the the length of it, the amount of enemies you had to fight. That's mostly what I was referring to. Where yeah, there just, was two or three times where you thought it was done. Yeah, it yeah. It was like, man, if this was like, you know when you watch like a a movie or a game, or you're playing a game, you're like, man, they could have took out like the last couple of chapters and it would have been fine where it in, how it ended. Or, you know, they could have chopped off the last 30 minutes of that movie. That's kind of how I felt about this chapter, where it was like, if they had chopped off this entire section, yes, this that would have been fine. But if they had maybe made this last fight maybe half the length, I would have been 100% like, this is the 100% like, no argument, this is the best front-to-back chapter in this game. But because of this part, I'm like, there's an asterisk, like, like I said, the first 80% of this is golden, but this, the last 20% is kind of like, it can kind of wear, uh, uh, overstay its welcome to me. Um, but uh, so you guys end up powering up the Leviathan. Uh, Pigsy kind of takes control and he busts you guys out and destroys the uh, the damn base. The damn base. Um, and then uh, Trip... <laughs> Trip deactivates Monkey's headband. She she kind of like, oh, I'm sorry for having you know having put you through this blah blah blah. And so she deactivates it, and then he's like, nah, turn it back on. And so she turns his headband back on. So he's still kind of beholden to her, and it kind of I think the game kind of hints that like he has feelings for her at this point. And, like, I guess that's what they're kind of leaning into, why he made that decision. But how do you guys feel about that decision? Like, do you guys... What do you guys feel about Monkey's decision? Just keep the headband on. Uh, I'll start with you, Trevor. But why, though? (laughs) That's all I want to (laughs) know, is why. Like, anything he could have done with the headband on, he could have easily done it without it. So I I don't know what he was trying to prove to Trip. He's committed, man. That's basically the that's the best thing they can do. They can't get rings. Like so he got the this, headband. Is this some kind of um, domin- domination fetish? Hey, man, don't kick Shane Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> that's his thing. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we have three married people in this chat. Would you allow your wife to have a death headband on you? Nope. That, that's not, not even my, a death ring. That's, that's not my idea. Of love there. <laughs> I was just checking, man. He he said it all sexy. He was like, "Put it back." No, no, no. Keep it on. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, man, I, 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 I don't get that. I don't get the decision. I don't understand. And, uh, it's really... It she wasn't hesitant sense. to not do it. Right? It was just... Uh, like, it'd be I different if, like, for the story, if they found out, like, the headband hasn't been working for, like, the last three or four chapters, and Monkey knew it, but he was just like, yeah, but I wanted to follow you anyways. That would have seemed more impactful, but him wanting to put the headband back on, I don't know, it just... I don't know. The it, only, like, reaching, reaching in the dark conclusion or observation I can make is like him competing quote unquote competing with Pigsy could have woken up some feelings inside of himself that he may have had for Trip and basically be like actually she's not that bad but at the same time you don't need this headband that could potentially kill you in order to you know display those feelings for her I mean, I feel like they did a really good job of showing that he had feelings for her, like, way, way long ago. Like, the first time they got to the village and he's like, well, or she's like, well, I technically lied. I'm going to keep the headband on. And he was cool with it. You get it there. And then on the motorcycle. And then after the um, the second dog chase, they hug and kind of embrace each other. I mean, it's so just... my one thing is, like, my in in defense of all of this. I feel like the one way you could justify it is saying, like, this is his motivation to make sure she gets what she needs. Or gets yeah, but he he doesn't say, let's let's wait till we, you know, finish our fight or, you know, like, finish the quest. He doesn't even say that. He's just like, leave it on. I, I think it's just a metaphor for I can't live without you at this point. Whoa. And, and that's what I was thinking, too, because I was just like, they should have just explicitly said... Hey, if, if you trip, if you die, I die. I can't live without you. Then I would. Oh man, now we're getting corny. I mean, here. but that's that's kind of the only thing I could see that they were um, that they were trying to convey with that. I can't see anything else, but it just didn't come off that way. But doesn't it seem like it kind of comes out of nowhere, especially when he's so nonchalant and like not not really going at Pigsy the way Pigsy's going at him. He well, seems I think so he lack- doesn't see Pigsy as a competition. But it seems so lackadaisical, that. though. Like, he, his attitude towards her. He's like, Bro, nah, we don't go this. together. He's got this. <laughs> Monkey in there, man. I don't know. I'm more triggered that she was just kind of like, okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, You're mine. Like, Alright, I guess so, if you say so, buddy. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of things coming out of nowhere, there's a giant <laughs> temple in the middle of a desert or something like that. Or pyramid, sorry. Yeah. We're almost there. That's the next chapter. Yeah, yeah. So, good good transition, or good uh, segue. You're absolutely right. Yeah, speaking of things coming out of nowhere, um, so you guys are manning the uh, Leviathan, and you guys are going across this huge desert. And you're heading to the only thing in sight, which is a giant golden pyramid um, that's just in the middle of this desert. And as you guys are getting closer, these scorpion mechs start coming out of the ground to block your way. And the Leviathan has this really powerful laser cannon that basically one-shots these scorpion mechs. But it kind of takes 
time to recharge between shots. So uh, there's so many of them that you have to kind of... uh, you kind of have to help them out. And uh, you basically, as Monkey, are scaling the outside. So Pigsy is Pigsy and uh, is controlling the Leviathan. Trip is with him, and Monkey is on the outer hull of the Leviathan. And he's fighting regular mechs that are dropping on top of it, as well as these leech mechs that are leeching on to the outer uh, hull of the Leviathan and are trying to suck the power out of it which the, they're using the power in order to charge the laser cannon. So you have to deal with those enemies quickly. Um, uh, so there's a lot of platforming as you're walking around or, you know, traversing the outer hull of this Leviathan, trying to kill all the leeches and fight these regular mechs. Um, did you guys like this part where it's kind of like you're on a huge walking environment and you know like it's all it's pretty epic really and i hate to use that word but like you're on a huge mech fighting other mechs while the giant mech is fighting a giant mech like that's the best way i can describe it i'm here for the mechs right (laughs) how do you feel about it trevor (laughs) i thought it was cool like um they added in like I think ever since Pigsy showed up, there's been a lot more utilization of the staff to you know to be able to shoot stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it was pretty cool. Like whenever they had the leeches like flying onto the ship, and you had to shoot them off like while you were yep. traversing around. And so, um, and then it had enemies as well. So you kind of had to prioritize, you know, which enemies to to take down first. And and so I just thought this this lead up to like the final boss battle was pretty cool and even like the traversal in between two had those like flame jets in oh, between yeah. as well so you're still like you're taking you could potentially take damage from the traversal as well as from the fights uh how, how about you greg how'd you feel about it um yeah i actually like this section a lot um the again it's kind of like another section with a lot of uh kind of platforming and it's not really environmental, uh, you know, puzzles, but it's platforming with a little bit of combat involved as well. So, uh, but yeah, I liked it. Anything you need to add, Dante? Not too much. I was kind of upset the very first time I um, tried to jump on a pole or whatever, and it insta killed me because I didn't <laughs> shoot the leeches first. <laughs> but you know, uh, I learn. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> Yeah, so um, eventually the Leviathan, it gets too close to these mechs, and it can only take them out one at a time. And uh, one climbs the top of it and kind of fastens itself to the hull, which is crazy to think about, that you're on this giant mech, and you're one-shotting these big mechs, and one of them is big, but not as big as the mech you're on. And, like, it just, like, shows the scale of this thing. And um, you end up fighting this giant scorpion mech. And there, there's, like, a couple of different parts to this this fight. So there's, like, uh, you have to, like, basically fire blast the outer shell of the uh, the armor of this scorpion mech. Then you got to basically do some traversal to get to a higher vantage point to shoot the weak points on his claw arm. 
and then basically once you do that, it gets really angry, and you have to quickly descend the this vantage point as it's blasting where you were with the uh, the laser cannon that it has on its tail, and then along the entire time you're fighting mechs as well in between, and you have to do this two times. You have to do it once for each arm, and uh, from there it kind of repositions itself more towards the head of the Leviathan, and you basically have to destroy its, its shooting its laser cannon into the hole, or onto, at you and onto the hole of the Leviathan, and you basically severely weaken it, and, and you do a cool takedown animation, in my opinion, um, where you grab the tail, and you kind of, like, point it, the firing laser, into the head of the scorpion, and I thought that was a really cool, like, takedown ultimately, uh, but h- how did you guys feel about this boss fight? Like, uh, in- any of it, all of it. Uh, the, uh, and, I- and I'll kick it to you first, Dante. How'd you, how'd you feel about this boss fight? For the most part, it was fine. It, um, a lot of just taking out enemies, doing some light platforming here and there to get to certain weak points. In fact, get back to me in a little bit. Okay, how about you, Trevor? Like, this is the first boss fight that kind of has everything in it. It has the combat, hand-to-hand combat. It has the the shooting combat. It has the traversal. Um, it has all of that. So, like, uh, how, how do you feel about it? This it was it was pretty fun. It, it had all of that and mechs. So, I mean, that that pretty much, you know, hits all the check marks yeah. for you. Pretty much the perfect platformer. <laughs> oh, oh my did, god, he muted himself. Did, did I did I need to elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I like how he muted himself. He was I, like, I, I, I literally thought I disconnected for a second. It went so quiet. No, Trevor, when Trevor muted himself, it was like so defiant. <laughs> <laughs> He said, I'm not even going to entertain that. Uh, what about you, Greg? How, how do you feel about it? Do you feel as strongly as Trevor? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I guess I don't have, like, super strong feelings. I mean, I did like the section, but um, I feel like it's a, it was a pretty good way to, I guess, kind of end the game. Um, I wasn't really sure what they were going to do as far as the last encounter. Um, I don't know. Because I, I guess there's not really, like, a... Uh, like, a main bad guy, so you know, per se, a central this, so. figure. Yeah, yeah. Like I halfway entity. forgot who I was fighting. Yeah, you're fighting um, pyramid. <laughs> That's what you were trying to fight, but it seems like every mech and everybody works for pyramid. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty good way to kind of uh, close the game. See, like, talking about it now and thinking about it, I, I didn't think about it in the moment. Like, this has everything in it, because it didn't have the cloud stuff, but a, a lot of the bosses leading up to this had cloud stuff, so I'm okay with it not having it. But I, I I don't know. Like, I don't dislike the fight, but I I don't, like, love it either. I like that it has everything involved, but it, it would have been cool if, like, you could have used trip in this fight and like throwing her up to a vantage point or like you know had to get its attention with your hey you know like your little taunt thing or I don't know like 
I honestly forgot all about Trip at this point. Yeah, and like I, it's weird for me to say like throw this character in here that you know the escort character, the um, your companion to make this fight better, but like it kind of was like I don't know like <sighs> Trip made herself known. Yeah, I I um I thought the game was gonna be better than this, but then yet again it does it where they literally have glowing points on the boss and she comes out of nowhere and she's like, hey, shoot the glowy things. As if I needed to be told <laughs> after playing video games for 25 years that I need to shoot a freak... Mm. Mm, 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 well, mm. well, she's talking to Monkey. She's talking to Monkey, not the player. Because he, he's still, oh, yeah, he's still you know. new to the headband thing. And so whenever she's highlighting stuff, you know, she's just got to tell him, hey... Look for the look for the shining. She's part. telling her boo, man. <laughs> Can't have you dying to this really obvious stuff. Yeah. You know what? Like that stuff doesn't even bother me. But like you're right, it's there. It's not something that I think about in the moment. But yeah, it, it is there, and it is kind of silly that they continue to include it all the way up to the final boss. But um, I don't know. Yeah, it, I wanted I wanted to be positive up to this point, but then they. Then that happened, and I'm like, now i got to bring it up during the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, do you think, is it a worthy final boss? Like, do you feel like, because, like, that's the issue that I'm having. Is like, I think the boss is a good boss in the sense that you get to, you know, traverse. You get to use hand-to-hand combat. You get to use shooting combat. And you get to, you know, use that stuff. But, like, that should have been more the earlier bosses in my mind, like, the final boss, it just didn't seem like... What would a final boss have been in this game? Yeah, that's that's the problem. That's that's what I'm saying. It kind of, like, after playing this boss, I was like, man, they should have made all the other bosses like this and then had an even bigger batter. It it just kind of left me wanting more after playing this, where I was like, dang, like, that was cool, but all the bosses should have felt that way. I don't know. I think looking in the context of the ending of the game, I, I really don't know how they could have like set up another uh, like boss encounter or like you know what they could have done differently. I guess there was no antagonistic figure, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I guess maybe that's why I feel lukewarm about it is because like the three characters that are in this game are the three characters, the three characters that are on your team, or you know, you and the two characters on your team. So it's just kind of like. There isn't like a, I don't know if it was possible to have like a worthwhile final boss that was like, felt satisfying to take down. Because even this boss, when you take it down, you haven't won, you know? Like, I honestly, well, as much as Pigsy was talking about the Titans, I thought we were going to end up fighting a Titan as like one of the final bosses. Yeah. But then that would have ended up being like, Shadow of the Colossus. Hey, man. I mean, do we even know what a Titan looks like, though? Yeah. You you run um that that jungle level uh where you fight the Rhino. You're climbing all over that Titan. You get to see its face, and you're literally like when you fight the Rhino, you're in the palm of its hand. So you get a That's sense right. of the scale of this thing. Did you not notice, or you didn't think about it? I wasn't thinking about it. So yeah, it's like it's a huge thing. So like, 
I think it would have been cool to potentially have to fight one of those, but they kind of pegged this Leviathan. I don't know, like in one sense, they pegged the Leviathan as being the biggest, baddest thing. But on the other hand, it would have been way cooler in my mind if you thought you you thought you were the strongest thing, and then this Titan just comes out of nowhere. You know, that would have been sick, especially if it was like you know big enough. It like could have stopped, You know. I don't know, like, I, basically at this point I'm asking for a different game, and I recognize that, but like, you know, you think you got the biggest, baddest thing, this thing comes on the horizon that's way bigger than you, and you have to, like, climb it in order to take it down, that, that would have been cool, but, I mean, the final boss in this game is cool, but I'm just, like, in the grand scheme of things, I'm like, man, like, I like this world so much, and the, the things that they laid out, that it could have been cooler in my head. And that, like, that's maybe a testament to how much I enjoy the game and the world that they built. You, you guys got anything else with the boss? I will say, um, after they take down, you know, the boss, and they think they're heading towards the pyramid, and they end up seeing five more scorpions, that feeling of, of them being just like, oh, man, we spent all that yeah. time taking down that one mm-hmm. scorpion, and now we got five. Like, I like how they make, I don't know, they they convey that feeling through the character as well because, you know, you as the player went through it too. So you're kind of just exhausted from, from killing that one scorpion and now you've got more. Yeah, so like the entire time the Leviathan's in the desert, initially, you know, Pixie's one-shotting all these scorpions with a laser. Then the laser ends up getting weakened when that one climbs on top of it. And he does major damage to the Leviathan. So I think after you kill that scorpion as monkey, like, I think they say something like your shield's at 5% and your weapons are severely weakened and you're a lot closer to the pyramid. And then as you're getting closer upon it, it's like five more just climb out of the ground. Like, and like Trevor said, like at that point, you guys are like, you just fought this Leviathan and it took everything you had in order to live. Or you just fought the Scorpion and it took everything you had to take it down. And here are five more. And you are super weakened. So it kind of feels like all hope is lost at this point. And then Pigsy kind of reformulates this plan where he's like, we can reroute, you know, he's like, what happens if we do this? And we reroute the weapon power to the engine and trips like if we do that it will cause it to overload and the thing this whole thing will go up and into explosion and he basically makes the executive decision and he's basically like monkey taker and then like trip kind of starts to re reject his his plan but monkey grabs her and they kind of hightail it off of the leviathan and uh they are running away and you just see these five scorpions start climbing on top of the Leviathan, and they're attacking it. And you can kind of see at this point, from Pixie's point of view, him behind the... And they kind of do the whole <laughs> Iron Man thing, where you see, like, the HUD display. Like, he, you see his face, and you can kind of see all the HUD and displays that he's looking at on his face. And you can see these explosions happening, and him reacting to it. And then he hits the power and it, it blows up and it takes all the scorpions with it and um, uh, at that point like you know uh, Trip is she's super sad she's crying and everything and Monkey's there uh, consoling her and that's how the chapter chapter ends and 
how, how do you guys feel about Pixie's decision? Like, does it does it hold any weight? Like, is it like a worthy like end to this character? Do you guys feel like he redeems himself, Greg? Mm, it seems kind of out of character. Um, I mean, I guess it's uh, I respect him for the decision, but it it just doesn't. I mean, to me, at least, it doesn't feel like it fits the character. But I can see that. What about what about you, Trevor? That was the only way for him to redeem himself. Dang, he couldn't even have chilled and just been like, "Monkey, you know what? You got her, bro. I'm, I, I'll chill out. Nothing like that." And he could have just like apologized. Nah. Like he had to kill himself. <laughs> like, I think if they would have survived, all three of them would have survived this. I mean, it it would have just been constant back and forth. He, what if he like lost his other hand or something? So he had two grapple hook hands. He wouldn't have changed. <laughs> Okay, okay. Dante, what about you? I thought it was a pretty fitting scene, so... I was... I, did, I almost said I was happy for him, but that's not the correct terminology. I, I think they did a good job with that scene. Yeah, I do too. Like, I... I Just how they even just played out the cutscenes and kind of showing, like, his last moments and stuff I thought was kind of cool, and just, like, the emotion that Trip kind of had when he made the decision and she was kind of like initially rejecting it. But like, really that that's the only decision they could have made in that situation. Like he had to go or, you know, like that, that's the only way they would have been able to do what they set out to do. But I do agree with Greg where it did seem a lot like out of character. Cause like at that point, up to that point, he had just been competing. It seemed like he, he agreed to help her with her quest to uh, avenge her father but really, it just it seemed like he had used it as an opportunity to stay close to Trip and to try to hit on her. And this was like the one time in this entire five-chapter span where he actually seemed to be contributing solely with the purpose of helping her out and not with some ulterior motive to try to get in her pants or whatever, win her heart. So it, it was a weird turn for the character and I do think it was the only way he could have redeemed himself um and I I still don't like I, I like I, I ultimately like it I I like the character uh because of the decision he makes it's kind of like yeah he's this pervy dude but he's a good guy deep down you know deep 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 down <laughs> so it, it kind of redeemed the character for me this decision so I'm uh I'm here for it. Um, but that kind of concludes the game, and it, it, it wraps up the story with the epilogue. And uh, so that goes with uh, Monkey and Trip walking into towards the Golden Giant Pyramid that's in the middle of this desert. Uh, they get inside, and it's a super uh, brightly lit warehouse, and it has, like, they're on this catwalk above the ground, and on the ground there's, like, thousands of of slaves uh, that have headbands on and they're in rows. Uh, and um, there's a catwalk, that catwalk that you're on is leading to this hovering figure, this figure that's uh, hovering and he's like behind this console of computers and he's just plugging away at it. And uh, as Monkey and Trip are walking towards the creature, the person from those masks that we, I had said in the first part were like non-existent, like they didn't matter to the story. 
appears in the projection on the wall, and it's it's Andy Serkis. It's, so this is played out in IRL in real life. So it's real life Andy Serkis talking to you, um, and he kind of questions what you're doing. And he basically reveals the entire situation, which is that uh, Pyramid, the company or the entity, rescues people from the wasteland. Uh, And then Pyramid is the memories of this one man uh, that's played by Andy uh, Andy Serkis. It's uh, his memories who lived, he lived before the war. Uh, They store his memories, uh, Pyramid stores his memories in the headband and project those memories to the slaves so they can basically live an alternative reality and live a life without suffering. So in in this world, they are citizens with jobs, they have marriages, they have children, they have whole ass lives. And basically, he says, his tagline is, the world is a wasteland where you fight to survive, whereas Pyramid is a world where you can live. So it's like a alternate reality where the world is not crumbling behind you and you're fighting to survive. It's like the Matrix. Basically. Um, what do you guys think about this reveal? Like, do you think it's cool? Do you think it's corny? Do you think it's weird? Like, the fact that they have this real-life, actual person talking to you and not like some digitize approximation or something like that did that throw you guys off it was a little off-putting seeing the the actor who uh you know that does the performance capture for the game uh you know kind of talking to you but um i don't know i think that was probably the most off-putting thing and and i guess the whole reveal is a little weird to me in general trevor i mean it didn't seem that weird to me uh, the weirdest game I've ever played that mixed um, like live action um, acting and was a uh, loco cycle. I don't know if y'all played that. Nope. Uh, but that that was weird. But this this here is very tame, and I think it like because they've been sprinkling a little bit of the live action throughout the game, like with the mask, um, like it. It kind of fit. It worked. Mm-hmm. They were glitches in the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Dante? Um, I mean, I really can't say that I expected anything at this point. <laughs> like, I I don't mean that in a negative way, but I didn't know what to expect. Did you remember? Because um, I completely had forgotten. No, I completely remembered about the Pyramid and... I vaguely remember the like giant room with all of the, you know, people, enslaved people. Yeah, like I completely forgotten. And on top of that, too, since I had already collected all the masks, there was nothing in my entire gameplay that cut me back to seeing his memories. Besides, like I think there was two. I think there was. There's two, two that stay. Yeah, two cutscenes that you have to that. You you interact with the mask and you get to see the visions, but besides those two, those two, I never had that change in my experience while I was playing. So I completely had forgotten that the those had anything to do. And I remember saying on the first episode or the first part of this, so I said, "Yeah, I don't think they're that important." <laughs> I remember saying that. So whoops, my bad. Um, but uh. Um, 
still unsure. Uh, pure like the character Pyramid uh, hands Monkey his mask, and when he takes it off, he looks like a like a, he looks like an alien, and he has like a super sunken humanoid face. And uh, he puts the mask. Monkey puts the mask on. And it's it, they they play it to great effect too, where um, Mon- Monkey it, it does the first person or like the the Iron Man shot again. So you see Monkey's face as he's putting the mask on, and you can kind of see like light and stuff on his face, and he's looking around in like wonder uh, wonderment slash amazement as he's looking at these memories, and his face is like super illuminated, and you can kind of see like the reflections of the visions and the memories that he's seeing. And he's like, wow, this is beautiful. This is great. And um, suddenly the lights and electricity go off and he like, everything goes to black and he takes off the mask and he sees that Trip has ripped all the cords and uh, tubes that are coming out of the back of the pyramid character. And he's squealing in this black liquid that was being pumped into or out of him is, like, all over everything. He, like, crashes into the computer station that he's at, and the entire facility that was brightly lit up goes to black. As the slaves' headbands, they were glowing red. They start to black out as they are coming out of this alternate reality, and they're coming to, and, like, you know, like, there's thousands of them. And Trip kind of wonders out loud, like, she's like, "Did, did I do the right thing? And that's where the game ends. Um, so I guess, how do you guys feel about Tripp's decision? And do you think she did the right thing? And I'll, I'll start with you, Trevor. What year did this game come out? This game came out 2010, I believe. Let me let me do. I'm pretty sure that's what Greg had said in his. Yes, 2010, October 5th, 2010. Why did they they not let the player choose how to end the game? That's what I want to know. The only thing I could think of is maybe they just didn't have the resources to, you know, create like two separate endings or, you know, well, whatever it is. I mean, you haven't played as Trip the entire game, so. Yeah, well, I, I mean, if too, Trip yeah. like asked Monkey, like, what's I mean, that seems like such a trip. Ask monkey about anything. It, it seems he, like, hey, like the only man, time you enjoy this the place, only let me time, take it away. The only time she listened to him when he said, when he said, put it back on. I, I feel like that would be such a a video game ending for this game is to allow the players to choose. See, that's I'm kind of glad they didn't go that route. At least this way they have, like, a definitive ending for their thing. Because, like, aren't they... It's not like, oh, well... Aren't they the last people... I'm going to do this gamey thing of letting you go renegade at the last moment. But they're the last people on the planet, though, aren't they? Uh, Or they make it seem that way. Yeah, I guess. Pigsy would have been the third last. Unless, um, like, now all those people... I mean, there could have been people hiding out. All those people who were, um, enslaved. I see what they did there. Um you know, are set free now. I mean, that's how I took it. They're set free, so they're also in the same, like, situation that Monkey and Trip are in, you know? No, no. They, they're they dead. They're super dead. What? Really? Because if you have the headband on and somebody pulls the plug on the person who put the headband on you, you're dead. Wouldn't that mean that Monkey is dead then, too? 
No, because Trip didn't die. No, but Monkey can die. But the pyramid wasn't the one controlling Monkey. He can monkey. die. So you're, Trip, you're saying that Trip all those people killed the are main dead? dude, and all of those other people fell to the floor dead. Oh, I thought their lights went off, and they were waking, coming to, and they could take their headbands off. Yeah, that's what I was that's told. That's how I took dead? it. I'm pretty sure they're dead. Mm. Let me go look at the... Yeah, the, you, you go uh, do some research again. real quick, Greg. Um, yeah, I took it as them coming too. So it went from being they were the last two people alive to they just saved thousands of people. Because I mean, like if 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 it's Trevor's in Trevor's scenario, in my mind, if you have the choice, it doesn't seem like much of a choice to kill the pyramid dude if you kill all these other people. So it's like, is it better to kill them or let them be alive? And in that, well, if, I think it goes back to the Killmonger quote: "Would you rather, you know." I can't even remember how it goes now, but essentially, like, is it living if you are a slave? See, but I, I get that, and like, that's more of a profound and like harder choice to make. But to me, mm-hmm. it's like, do you want these people to live a a fake like existence in this fantasy land, or do you want to wake them up to the harsh realities and you have, you know? thousands of people that are woke woken up and then they can kind of help rebuild this world to like their crappy existence to a better existence yeah like looking at this i don't i don't know it doesn't look like they're dead you guys want me to link it just so you can kind of see that last scene yeah the one i saw it looked like their their headbands just turned off like you could see their lights go out yeah it just yeah that's it because, I mean, like, if you think about it, when that dude died in the beginning, his thing started glowing really brightly, and then it went out. And here, it just looked like everything got shut, like the lights got shut off. And so, like, I didn't take it as him, them dying. I took it as their power of their headbands being lost, you know? But That's fair. E- even still, though, like, even if you could make the decision, do you feel like she made the right decision? Like, okay, we can we can say independent, like independent, like if they if it kills them all or they live in this alternate reality, did she make the right decision? Versus if they live in this alternate reality or, or you waken them up to the harsh realities, which one do you think is the better? De- did she make the right decision, or would you have made that decision? And I, me, I feel like she made the right decision. I mean. Okay, the more stuff I'm reading, it sounds like, yeah, they, they're pretty much just being woken up to the actual reality of things. So, at the beginning of the game, when Monkey's on that ship, is that where they're taking him? I believe they're taking, like, they catch people in the world, they put the headband on, transport them to the pyramid. So I think that's how that works. So, so what is their end goal of enslaving these people and, and doing I, I, I have no idea. Like, I think the pyramid guy was trying to present it like he was saving everybody yeah. from the harsh world. But I don't know, like... There's gotta be something else behind yeah, it. Yeah, like, I'm not... I don't know, like, oh, like, if you don't do that, then what, you know? Like, I, so that's never presented. And, like, so part of me feels like... It was almost setting up a part two, maybe. In this, yeah, sense there, that there was supposed to be a sequel to this this game. If you wake everybody up, it's a more 
interesting story because then now you have, you know, like a world that's starting over with thousands of people that you potentially have to protect. But also there's mechs, you know, because like the mechs didn't get powered down because afterwards they're running from the, uh, the, the, the pyramid, right? And the mechs are still alive. Yeah. Yeah. So like the, the mechs aren't like a part of pyramid in the sense that him pulling it off didn't auto kill them either. So like, I think not only that, but it, it, at least you kind of give, you set up the thing of like, did the people who are, who got, you know, who are awoken, did they want to be able, you know, awoken yeah. or like, cause then you could have so like factions kinda, too. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, these people are like the, <laughs> they are awakened. I don't know. I, I feel like there could, the game could have gone to more places with those people being alive. So what about you guys? Like, how, how do you feel about the decision and if she made the right choice? Trevor? Well, if if those people were set free, then I think she made the right choice because if they're all in the in the matrix, if they're all in the pyramid, I mean, eventually they're going to die out, but I mean, part of life is survival, so if they're all set free, then you know, they're going to build society and and figure out how to get it back to the way it was, at least give them a fighting chance. Fair. That's fair. What about you, Dante? Um, what was I about? Prompt me with the question one more time. I was saying, like, do you feel like Trip's decision was the right decision to make to bring those people to reality? So, if we're being real, I don't mind what Pyramid was doing, aside from the whole, like, kidnapping and killing part. If it was just like, hey, here's a better reality, and people had the choice of living in that reality, then, like, more power to him. But since his methods were corrupt, I would say she probably did the right thing. How do you feel about that in real life? If people want to live in VR, they should be able to live No, 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 not VR. Like, (laughs) like... (laughs) I ain't gonna shame anybody for living, like, in some weird nerd fantasy place. Not even nerd fantasy. Like, what if people just have this idea in their head that this is reality and anything that runs counter to this is fake and I don't listen to the fake stuff. I just want to live in my own world. That sounds like organized religion at that point. Religion or other things like politics. Yes, that's also true. So how how do you feel about that in the sense of real life? We should have an open mind and... (laughs) Maybe not enslave people if they don't agree with our policies or And who's religion. gonna fund it? <laughs> <laughs> the Max <laughs> They're gonna build that wall. Oh man. Uh yeah, it's, it's it's yeah, like what Trevor said, the San well, it's is it kinda like San Junipero? Is it though? Is it? I mean well, no, because they have a little bit more control. They're pretty much like avatars. Yeah, it's like a video game. <laughs> That's like for funsies. That's like to live out like a... I, I guess you're escaping the realities of your situation in order to be in this fantasy land. I see, I see a little bit of uh, connections. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Like it's it's. I think it's an interesting ending. Like the the thing I like about the ending is, regardless of how you perceive the ending or if you thought she made the right decision or not, the game stands on its own. It ends and doesn't leave like a cliffhanger in the sense of like what happens next you know like they could continue the game on from here but like they didn't make enough uh sell enough copies to warrant doing that and i still feel like the ending is satisfactory enough it, it kind of it's a it's a cliffhanger note but I, I don't mind having that uh unknown um left up to my imagination so um and i also like making that decision I think would have been hard if you, the player got to make that decision. I think it would have been difficult to create a second game if that's something that they planned on doing. So I'm okay with, because at that point, you're going to have to go make one of those options canon. Either they pulled the plug or they didn't. That has to be the canon option. And like nobody likes to have their decision be like brushed aside or whatever. So <clears throat> I'm cool that they left the. Uh, the choice in Tripp's hands. Um, so yeah, uh, ultimately, I guess what do you guys, you guys got anything story-wise that you need to get off your chest on the main game? Or should we just go ahead and talk about the DLC? So just a general assessment of the main game. How, how did you guys feel like at the end of the day? What's that, those that was a pretty good game. Okay, like what does that mean? <laughs> I think that means about a seven, seven point five. No, I mean it doesn't have to be a number, but like, did you? <sighs> There's like nitpicks I have as far as like gameplay, but you know, like like it would have been nice if there was a little bit more of a challenge or if they expanded on like maybe platforming a little bit, mm-hmm. um, or if the game wasn't so like handholdy, I guess. Um, but other than that, I feel like given like the setting of the game was good. Um, I generally kind of enjoyed where the story went. Um, like I said, most of what I have is just kind of like little small gripes about like maybe how they handle one or two things. Um, but overall, like I enjoyed my time with the game. Would you recommend the game or do you think it's like a game that you would come back to on your own? Just because like the the mechanics of the game aren't very deep, I don't. I wouldn't see myself like going back and playing it a second time, but I would definitely recommend it to somebody. And if I remember right, it was actually on sale on Steam this uh, this weekend, or maybe it was part of the Steam sale, so it goes for a little bit longer. But but yeah, I forgot to mention that earlier. Okay. What about what about you, Trevor? This, I I think it was a great game. The only thing I didn't like about it is the story is not as gripping, and so as like the 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 actual story, or you didn't like the adaptation, or I mean the yeah the story of the game, like you you know regardless of you know them just making an adaptation of the the book, I think the story just wasn't as compelling as or wasn't compelling enough to make me want a sequel to this game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just by itself, I think it was a great game. Has everything I like in a platformer. Mechs and platforms? Mechs, great animation, uh, good traversal, uh, combat. 
grapple hook. Got it. <laughs> oh, that's me. What about you, Dante? How, how do you feel about the game now? I think it is a good game. It is flawed. It is, it is the epitome of a B game. Like it's on like the top tier of B games. I would say. Okay, just actually, actually I take that back. It's not top tier of B games. It is is very good for a B game. So I, just just to get an idea of what you consider, because that's your scale. Like, what would you say are other B games and B plus games or whatever? So. It's kind of hard because the B game's a dying genre nowadays. But, um, see, the PS2 and original Xbox and GameCube had a lot of them. I'm trying to think about another good B game, and I keep wanting to say 50 Cent Blood on the Sand. Maybe Bion the Commander? Stop. Nah, he, he, I don't think he would see, count that as a B game. It's a B game. It's, it's not a great B game, but it's a B game. Okay. It's kind of in that mid tier budget. Um, you can tell, like, corners were cut in certain areas of the design, and so they only had a, like, can, can, go ahead. Can I ask you, if you're saying a B-game, right, and I, this is just me asking, because I, at first when you were saying B-game, I thought you were saying, like, on quality rating, like, A, B, C, you know, all that, but I know what you mean, like, there's AAA, there's indie, so is it like, what, AAA, AA, A, B, and indie? Most people do AAA, like, B games and indie. And that's kind of like the three categories most people say, for the most part. Um, I guess a good example would be, like, Star Wars The Force Unleashed. or Like, a lot of licensed games fall into that B game category. Okay. That, you know, like, they'll know kids will buy it, but they also want to make sure it's kind of decent so they can, you know get fairly good reviews with it sure quickly glance over this page and see if i can find any more games games. that maybe not had like a marketing budget or like as much of a marketing budget yeah exactly like stuff that you don't see advertised like on tv directly but it still has like you know it's a console release it has like a disc printed or something I, yeah, I, I don't think those were, like, a thing back on the previous generation for the most part. Maybe earlier on. You mean, like, on 360? Yeah, because I'm, like... I could think of, like, a ton of 360 games like, like that, Especially I guess. in the Xbox Live like, Arcade. Like, uh, like, if we're talking about, like, B games, like, I don't know if you guys remember what. It was, like, the game that had, like, Elijah... Uh, not Elijah, I forget her name now. So, it's an actress who was in Dollhouse, a TV show, but... Um, like, something like that, um... Like, Maybe um, Red Faction, uh, like Sleeping Dogs. Um, yeah, what's the one they always bring up on Giant Bomb? Binary Domain. Yeah, there you go. That's a super B game. Okay. It's like, but what happened was like during the 360 era, 360 PS3 era, a lot of the B game studios kind of those were the ones that got kicked out of the business more or less, swallowed up by bigger teams. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. But like early 360 probably has like a good bit of them, I think. It's mercenaries? Yeah. I would, uh, nah. Maybe not. The outfit? Psychonauts destroy all humans. The outfit? Okay, maybe the outfit. Okay. Syndicate is an ex- excellent example. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. 
right, I get what you're saying. I, and I, I wasn't fighting back. I was just trying to think of some examples or hear some examples so that and not just. Yeah, it's tricky just because they're they're kind of a. Well, they were a dying breed, I feel like, but now they're kind of coming back in vogue. Are they though? <laughs> I feel like it's either I, I think so. indie or like just. I feel like it's indie. It's like like indie with a budget or indie without a budget. Like that's kind of how. I yeah, see it's it. kind of like the new indie tier. Yeah, almost. But um, okay. Um, well, you guys know how I feel about this game. Uh, this is like. One of my five favorite, definitely five favorite 360 games. Uh, I would 100% recommend this game to people. Um, I have played this game to completion four times probably at this point now. Uh, I love this game. Um, I It was really interesting coming back to this game now uh, with a critical lens. So I did see some of the, and not even me, when you guys pointed out specifically with Dante, pointed out some things. I was like, oh, well, shoot, he's right. And it's things that don't bother me, but, like, I could see why it maybe causes people to bounce off of it. Or not bounce off of it, but kind of be like, well, why does it do that or why does it do that? And whereas me, I'll kind of just brush it aside. Like, that's just how it is. Like, I can kind of see why it can be annoying or, like, a something that people don't like about it. Um, but ultimately, I love this game, and it was cool because cool coming back because I haven't played this game in a while. And like I said, I re- remember the first half of this game, but the second half was almost like it's it's a part. I never think about the second half of this game, the back half of this game. So re going through it, like like even though I beat this game three times, it was just kind of like oh crap, I forgot about this stuff and this stuff. So like it, it was cool to come back and see it. So. Uh, I still enjoy this game. I think I think me and Trevor were talking. This is obviously this is one of my three favorite games that we've played for the show now. So there's that. Um, so yeah, and uh, the coolest thing about coming back to play this game is we got to play the DLC, uh, Pixie's Perfect Ten, which I've had. I, I've had this DLC for like five or six years, but I've never played it. So um, and. Uh, to my knowledge, Dante, you hadn't played it either, right? Correct. Cool. So this is... Uh, we'll try to brush through or go through this quickly, but uh, this <coughs> is a side content, uh, and I can quickly read the summary, can, but this takes... Go ahead, can I get, like, 60 seconds to air out my, my frustrations? On the game oh, or the on, DLC? On the DLC. Yeah, I'll give you 60 seconds. Can I can I just introduce it real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so the DLC takes place before the uh, events of the story. You play as Pixie. Um, it's, uh... He's in the swamp, and he's pretty lonely. And he basically wants some companionship beyond the mechs that roam the area. So he basically dreams of building the perfect companion and basically embarks on a journey uh, to uh, find scrap parts around the junkyard that he lives in. And um, so you're playing as Pigsy in this. And it's uh, he's accompanied by... He already has a companion that doesn't speak, 
but it's like a flying like computer monitor, like an old computer monitor, the fat ones, that it can showcase its emotions. It's it's almost like a Tamagotchi screen, and it just smiles or it makes facial expressions, but it doesn't make like talk, and it flies around and like with him, um, and you get to see like a lot of the the gadgets that Pixie has. In the main game, uh, you get to use in this, like, the sniper rifle, the sticky bombs. He has an EMP shock. He has a, um... He has, like, almost like a detective vision. He has his, his grapple hook. Um, he has a decoy grenade. So, uh... There are quite a, a few differences in the gameplay between the main game playing as Monksy and playing as Pixie. Uh, Trevor, what what are your grievances with this uh, with this DLC? Man, y'all know how I feel about this game, about the main game, and I was hyped to play this DLC. And for some reason, even after praising this game's name, for some reason, I just wasn't able to download it. I don't know why, but. I, I, I'm going to try to finish the DLC. Okay. But good. Yeah, you were kind of explain the issues ex, to, you were having. To clarify, this is Xbox where you could not Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, me and Trevor played Enslaved on 360, and then Greg and Dante played on PC. And also, I didn't run into this issue that Trevor had because I had previously had this DLC downloaded already. So, it was a matter of me just going over and hitting play where Trevor had to purchase and download this DLC. And what were some of the issues you were running into, Trevor? My 360 just kept disconnecting from Xbox Live and it would stop the it would stop the download and when I reconnected to Xbox Live, the download progress would be corrupt and so I'd have to delete it and try to restart it and it just never finished. So, like, you were stuck at 1% for a long time. What did, did you end up get? Did you end up getting it? Yeah, though? I bought it on Steam because it's on sale, like Greg said. Mm-hmm. And um, But I didn't have enough time to, to finish it. I think I got about halfway through it. Yeah. Um, what did you think about it gameplay-wise? Like, uh, we don't have to cover it too, too, too much in detail, but or too long, I should say. But did you like the, the change in... Uh, gameplay. Um, I'm not a huge stealth fan. Like, I've never been a fan of stealth games, and even like games that have stealth portions in them. Um, I really don't care for it. Like games like Wolfenstein. Like I, I never stick to like the um, you know the passive um, pacifist. Um, but this game, I guess, because the gameplay felt similar to the main game in Enslaved. I was alright with it because I was familiar with the controls already. But I don't know, it was just it was a completely different game. Like I can't I can't give it the same um praises that I gave the main game just because it, it just feels different. Okay. You got anything, Dante? So I was pretty cool on it at first. To be honest, when I woke up this morning, I had zero intentions of actually going through the DLC. But then I'm like, well, let me give it a shot. And first, I really, really disliked it. But the more abilities you unlocked, 
the more um, freeform the combat became and like the stealth elements became. So it kind of stopped being a stealth thing at some point and just became like, hey, this is a, I don't want to say like a sim, but freeform. It's yeah, it was just like a freeform. Like, hey, you have these four tools. Use this as your sandbox, and pretty much do what you need to do to get past this puzzle. And I really enjoyed it because, one, they actually designed a lot of those things in really interesting ways, and they were all different. And two, they stopped holding your hand, and they weren't like, hey, you need to shoot this, or this is how you get through this puzzle, monkey, go to the right, and then like hit this guy first type of stuff. So I kind of gained a lot of respect for this game through the DLC. What about you, Greg? Because you also didn't... Um, you did finish it, right, Dante? Yeah. Okay, and what about you, Greg? I, I think you said you got to the halfway point, probably, before you had to call it quits. Yeah, so... Initially, I didn't... I mean, at least from what I've played, I don't really like it, just because... I get, I get that it's a different thing, but it, it's not the things that I come to enslave for, I guess. Like, uh... I don't really like his mobility, right? He's he's pretty slow. I know he's got like a a crouch walk, but even and you know that's slow. His roll isn't isn't very agile. I mean, he's not very agile at all. Um, the grappling hook isn't isn't like a very fun way to like move through the environment. And you do less of that as you start going into it. Um, like early on at the the opening stages of the DLC, you kind of do more of that. Um, but yeah, he's not very fun to kind of like navigate with. Um, having the ability to kind of like having a, a weapon like a, a gun, um, it's okay. I mean, he's uh, he's not very good at combat either. And the fact that you know he dies in a few hits, um, and there's nothing upgradable. So um, I don't know. I just it it kind of wasn't the things that I came to the game for. I I did start to kind of appreciate some of the abilities they give you. But, uh, I don't know, man, like, it just, it just wasn't, like, it wasn't clicking with me for some reason. Okay, and you got, I think you got to the halfway point. I think Trevor maybe got a little bit past that. Um, yeah. I, I, I completed it, and I <laughs> ran the range of emotions for this. Um, I liked it in the beginning. I thought, this is cool, this is different. Um, it has the same feel, like you, you are in the same world, and it feels like enslaved. But he moves completely different. He he doesn't have a like his his animations. Like they they still do a good job of like animating the character. It's like when he's hunched over, crawling on all fours, or like even when he's running, he's like this rotund character that's like leaning back as he's running. His grapple hook stuff is cool, and he, it. He takes um, his time climbing up because he's just a heavy character. And, like, all that stuff feels really good. Um, and then uh, they, you know, as you're slowly getting his gadgets and things like that, that that is also, like, kind I, I agree with Dante 100%, like, doing the combat stuff. Like, it, it feels awesome. Um, I, I wasn't really here for the stealth stuff. Like, it, it is cool. Uh, as a change of pace from the main game where you can kind of just sneak past mechs without engaging in them. But um, 
after a, after a while, the game kind of forces you to you know go head to head against these mechs, and he thrives with um, staying at a distance, using his sniper rifle and his gadgets to keep them away from him, because uh, he is can go down in two one or two hits. So he does have he has no close close quarters combat at all. So it's like completely different vibe with this game versus the the main game, which I do like because it still feels like it's part of the same story. I guess you could say the same family. I guess even though it's completely different. Um, but then there are a couple things that I just didn't care for. Um, He's in this game by himself for the... Like, yeah, the entirety. There's no other character in this game. So he's doing a lot of talking to himself. And because of the nature of this character, he's a pretty horny dude. And that kind of gets very grating after a while. So it almost did a little bit more harm than good. Because it's like, he's the character he's always known to be. And he is the focal point, so that was really, really annoying at times. Uh, like, his collectibles are to find, um, like, cartons of, like, food and, like, pinup girls posters spread around the, uh, the environment. And it was just, like, all the dialogue that he had because he's talking to himself was just very corny and cheesy. And just, I, I, I ended up rolling my eyes a lot while I was playing through this. And I mean, he's he's talking to his friend, quote unquote, friend Truffles, his companion. But like, it's not like the the character doesn't really respond back to him, so it's just kind of like whatever. And um, like they they recorded all these lines like once, so whenever you die and you pick up like a you have to re pick up like a food carton or a pinup poster, he says the same exact line again and again and again and again. So that was kind of like grading as well. Um, they uh, the the cool thing the thing I will say is it's cool as you're getting gadgets, the combat gets more interesting. But then they up the difficulty of the combat too, which like I like and I dislike. So like some of the later sequences in this game, um. I ran into issues because the way I had been playing, and this is this is also why I like it. The way I had been playing was no longer effective this way because they up the difficulty or like the amount of enemies you encounter. And there was a couple times where I was like stuck, especially on the last section of the game, where I was stuck in like all these encounters for like ten minutes at a time, just constantly replaying them over and over again to like get this run correct um did did you run into those issues uh dante not too much um i think it actually got a little bit easier for me as i went along just because i had more options to be honest Mm -hmm. like the first couple stealth things i'm like man this is dumb but once you have the tools and you kind of figure out like some situational stuff it got personally easier for me um one thing i will say is hold your beer because if you don't like difficulty getting you know ramped up oh yeah i know i know this next game, i know this next game i know you better get that work marcus i know i am i know i'm not looking you better get that work trevor i'm not looking I think forward Greg to might it be okay 
Um, going going back to this though, like I, I the thing that I do appreciate about this is um, you do run into there are there are moments in this. There, there's a moment when you encounter a dog, and they do a cool thing where you are running away from the dog, and you're seeing your character from the dog's point of view. So you're like running away from the dog with um but you're seeing what the dog sees and that's kinda cool. Um there's a moment where um you ha- like you're back at the starting area and you have to fight waves of enemies um that are basically preventing you from getting to where they're at. You get to where they're at and you activate a turret and then now you have to defend the spot that you're at. And that was a cool sequence as well. Um, I, I do think the ultimately. Uh, oh, one of the cool things too, like they they changed. Did, did they not change the art style for this game? Like the the cutscenes. Yeah, they definitely did. Yeah, they definitely. Dude, that was so slick. It's like they added like darker edges or like like. I'm trying to it was think like it, it maybe well, they're stills. No, they're not stills. It's animated. It makes me think of like. Borderlands slash uh, Mirror's Edge cuts like Borderlands with Mirror's Edge cutscenes almost. Yeah, they were kind of cell shaded. Yeah, it, it looks it's really slick presentation and like the way because Pigsy is narrating, I enjoy him narrating these cutscenes. Like I like the dialogue. Then a lot of the dialogue that I don't care for is the dialogue when just like the you're picking up these collectibles and these random off uh, quips that he's he's making throughout the game that I don't like and it kind of turned me off to the character but then like once he like as the story is progressing and he's trying to make his companion and like as his <laughs> he loses truffles and all that stuff happens like he kind of redeems himself ultimately like the, the I don't want to because these two haven't played it I don't really want to spoil like the endings since it's so short but I do think story-wise, it's it's pretty interesting where the, the game takes you. And I, I still think it makes him like a uh, redeemable character, even though it is Pixie. And if you don't feel that strongly about him, did you feel that way, Dante? Or I didn't really... I don't want to say I didn't pay attention to the story Sounds like too that's much what you're in this say. part. <laughs> but I, I, I didn't get much from it, to be honest, from a plot perspective. I mean, it, it wasn't like... like Oh my god, I gotta see what happens next. But I thought it was just interesting, like, the way he was talking, and like, his, I, I don't know, it was just more interesting, like, I'm not here for a horny guy, Pigsy, I'm here for man on the mission, Pigsy. And you got... See, but I thought all of this stuff seemed kind of boring. Uh, well... I... Oh, fair, that's fair. But like, I, I feel like the first half of this game is like, He's man on the mission, but when you find out what his mission is and like ultimately what he makes, it's like this dude. But then after after that part, then you're like, oh well, like this is actually like a worthwhile endeavor that he's going on, and I'm here for it. So I enjoyed it. Um, Trevor, do you got anything you want to add? So Marcus, I know you don't watch anime, but in anime they have what's called filler, and this DLC felt like, like at least the story felt like filler, because it usually involves like a secondary or tertiary, char- tertiary character, and they're 
on some type of meaning side yeah mission. like a side mission which doesn't you know it's not necessarily important to the major task at hand and that's kind of what this is but is the filler not interesting though is what i'm saying like is it not fun to maybe, play maybe i didn't get to the part where it gets inter- interesting because Did, okay. like dante said it, it just seems like he was going grocery shopping man <laughs> I'm not saying the story is, like, the most groundbreaking or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, I like the payoff of what happens in the story. And I feel like it does a good job of, like, I, this character is, like, he, he ebbs, or, like, he, he starts low in the main game and ends on a high note at the end, right? When he sacrifices himself. Or maybe he even goes to neutral. Well, what I'm saying is this, this story He's back to the gutter, horny guy, Pigsy, and like it's not as high of a high, but you kind of see him go back up. To me, it's that's the part I enjoy, not necessarily the story. I like the character growth. Okay, so I have two questions then. Um, okay, you know, just this pertains to the character. Um, how how much time passed between the release of this game? And the release of the DLC. Do you know? Um, I believe they both came out the same year. But let me check while you ask your second question. And my second question is, is the DLC... And, I mean, you can spoil it for me. I don't care. I don't know how Greg feels. But, um, does it serve... Have at it. What'd you say? No, I was just saying have at it. I'm not does, gonna, does it... Yeah. Does it serve as a tribute to Pigsy? Like, as a way to say, yeah, this character died in the main game, so we're going to do something special for him in this DLC. Okay. So, the game came out October 2010. The DLC, uh, October 5th, 2010, North America. The DLC came out November 23rd. So, like, what, six... Six to seven weeks later, something like that. So, relatively close. I don't feel like this serves as a tribute to the character. I think what it does... Well, if we're being honest, Pixie is the most interesting character in the main game. So, I think this was... If if we want to say anything, it could have been a cash grab. They, it could have been like, hey, people like this character. Let's... Let's. I don't think this game made enough money to be a cash grab. I, you're right. You're right. But also, I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, if of all the, the, the three characters in this game, he was the one that would be the most interesting to make a DLC for. Granted, because this came out so soon after that, I don't think it was a cash grab. I think the way they saw it was like, look, he has these abilities that you use in the main game in the second half of the game that are interesting. What if we had a Another character that set in this world that has different abilities than Monkey. Because there's not really much more interesting stuff you can do with Monkey. He's not an interesting character on his own. Basically, by him leaving the headband on, like, he's basically beholden to Trip. So, if they were going to set a story before the events of the main game, do you want to see some loner, loner dude like Monkey, who, like, you've played, like, six to nine hours of already? Or can you see Pixie, who has gadgets, he lives in a swamp, he, you know, he's 
completely different like character from his motivations and even his athletic ability than Monkey. Like it, it makes the most sense to make him be the character you base the DLC off of. Unless you want to play as Trip, who also is not a compelling character. What happened? Where'd everybody go? I was gonna let Trevor answer. I mean, as far as the characters, I really wasn't like even after finishing the game, I wasn't expecting a sequel after that. Like just based on the characters. Sure. And like yeah. I said, the story wasn't as gripping and I think that may have been because of the the character interaction. Like it's yeah, there's it's comedic at times, but for the most part it's awkward. Mm-hmm. And like I just don't really have that much interest in seeing in the character. Yeah. And so just for them to have Pigsy alone I don't know. Well, okay. So for me, I, I agree with you hundred percent. The the benefit or the, 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 the role he plays in the main game is the comic relief. And without any other supporting characters or characters to support him, he just makes a joke of himself and it's kind of sad and pathetic. And he reverts to his horndog ways. But we said the same thing for the main game that I'm saying for this store, like for this DLC, we didn't come to the game for the story. We came for the game, came to the game for the animations, the gameplay and the platforming. This doesn't necessarily have the same platforming, that the other part has, but it has it in spades with the animation, the setting slash environment, and the gameplay. The gameplay is pretty engrossing, especially once you get all the abilities. And I think Dante could even agree with me on that. They they it's they take a risk by adding the, yeah, like, the stealth stuff, which we kind of all have said like we're not really here for the stealth stuff. But they take a risk by adding that. But this game gameplay wise is more fun. Than the gameplay in the main game of the, I 100 percent agree. I didn't want to be the one to say it because I thought Marcus was gonna get super mad if I said it like that. But yeah, I, I enjoyed the gameplay of this more than the actual like proper. Title. It feels like you have way more control and power over. There's just a lot more scenarios, and you have a lot more to do quote unquote it's like when you play the main game you see a bomb okay you have to shoot it or you see this specific type of enemy the shielded enemies you have to stun it and then you have to beat on it a couple times like you can either stun it with your plasma like when you see a shielded enemy with the in the main game you either charge up your staff hit it then you just attack it a bunch of times or you shoot your stun shot at it and you attack it a bunch of times, or you shoot your stun shot at it, and then you shoot it with your plasma shot. There's like three ways you can take down that enemy, and there's like set ways you can take down enemies in the main game, where it feels way more freeform in this this uh, DLC, where you can get a teammate, like you can get an ally, or multiple allies if you use that gadget. You can use bombs to set traps. You can distract them and use your sniper rifle you can use the EP blast and take out a whole like get them to a like crowd control them and bring them to a certain area then EMP them to make take them out easily it's just a lot more freeform and a lot more engaging to play it seems less streamlined than the main game I can see that 
I just don't think I've I, I've gotten to that point yet because, like you said, like you said, I haven't unlocked. Well, I just unlocked the final ability, um, mm-hmm. but I haven't gotten to a point where like you can use those interchangeably. Yeah, and and don't get me. I feel like once you get the heart thing, that's kind of where, or the friendship thing, that's when things open up. Don't get me wrong, though. I I think the things that you like about the main game, you are not going to get from this. So you like the platforming. You don't get platforming in this. But that makes sense because that's just not what his character does. But if you like the like the combat is different. And it's just a matter of if you like the combat, uh, having these gadgets and stuff, like I would say finish it out. Um, There's not really much stealth from where even where Greg is. Greg's halfway through. There's no more stealth after that point. As far as I remember, like, it's all combat. Like, the only way you can progress is taking all the guys out. Um, so, uh, I think it's it's only, like, three or four hours to, to complete. So I think it's, check, I mean, finish it if you if you like what you've played so far. If not, it's no big deal. Like, like I said, this, there's not much stealth left. There's not much story to it. Um and there's not much platforming, but the gameplay is what... The gameplay is good enough, in my opinion, to say, like, I would recommend it, say, you know, play it through. Yeah, because if it was just four more hours of Monkey. the gameplay that we got during the main game, I'd have kind of been done with it, and I doubt I would have finished it, to be honest. But the fact that they did something so different was pretty cool, because you don't really get that too much in a lot of DLC. I don't even think it would have been engaging if it was trip instead of monkey just because her character seems so boring like it, it had to be it had to be monkey right or a uh, pixie right yeah like well trip would have been interesting to revisit just because she had all of her little gadget tools and they would have had to retool her a little bit but i think there there could have been dlc potential there but it just seems like she's I mean, like she relies on other people <laughs> Like, just her getting yes. around in the environment would have been, like, not, probably not fun or interesting, you know? Pixie at least has the grapple That's hook. That's also very true. All right, well, if we don't have, you don't have anything else with the DLC, you need to say Dante, Trevor, Greg? Nope. I would recommend that you finish it out, Trevor, if you are interested. If not, no big deal. Uh, th- I'm... I, this is different than the Phoenix Wright. You should definitely finish up Phoenix Wright. You should definitely finish out Advanced Wars, like, 100%. Oh, I did finish Phoenix Wright. One. I, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, in comparison, like, those two, I felt strongly that you should finish those. And this one I'm less strong about. Like, if you don't like what you've played so far, then I would just call it. But if you do like or interested in seeing, where like, what, what we're talking about, I would say finish it then. What you think, Dante? Is that fair? Yeah, I think especially since he's so far, and same thing with Greg. Greg's about halfway, three quarters through, so it's it's worth a playthrough. Yeah. All right. Well, do we got anything else we need to say about the slave? Odyssey to the West or the Pixies Perfect Ten DLC? Cool. Greg, do we have any questions? Uh, no questions this week. But uh, what? if you guys, That's crazy. Just, yeah, what a surprise. Um, but now if you guys want to hit us up, you can, uh, reach us at mischeckpoints at gmail.com. All right. And, uh, where can people find you? 
Uh, I am on Twitter at Boombox Hero. Uh, on Facebook uh, at Boombox Hero as well, and uh, on Twitch at Twitch.tv/xdrdmagnegroX. All right, uh, Trevor. Where can people find you? You can find me on Xbox Live, PlayStation Network at Lyric Unsung. All right. You guys can find me on Twitter at Potato Salad and on PSN at La Ensalada de Papa. No spaces. Uh, Dante, where can people find you? (sighs) Well, I keep saying I'm going to start streaming again. It hasn't happened yet. It might happen soon, though. I found a game. I, I saw you playing some Yakuza. Yeah, yeah Yakuza was pretty good. I didn't stream that. Though. Oh, I, I know. I'm just saying. I, I, I was I checked PSN. And I saw you playing. I should it. have, but it was just so late at yeah. night. Um, Dante. Oh. Huh. Go ahead. Um, what what is our next game we're playing, man? Are you are you excited for this game? It's your month. So. You know, like a week ago when I kind of got on to you about saying like Metal Gear Rising was like in my top 15 or top 20 or whatever? I thought I thought so, but yeah. You thought so, but I don't even know if that would be in my top 50. This next game we're about to play, it's definitely probably in my top 20. Word? We're about to play Ninja Gaiden Black. Okay. For the original, well, it's on... Xbox originally, that's what it came out for. There's a port Sigma for the PS3. Um, it's part of the backwards compatible games for Xbox One X. And I guess Xbox One as well, but they also added 4K to the X version. So, Greg, you need to get on that. And oh, yeah, I'm going to check it out. It is renowned for being an incredibly difficult game. It is also one of the highest rated original Xbox games of all time. So I'm very interested to see how this tears apart our little family we have right here. <laughs> do you think anybody's not going to you every night? Do you think anybody's not going to finish the game? Yes. I'm almost positive. Uh, Unless they switch to Ninja Dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're going to switch to Ninja Dog and get chided the entire game. Am oh I going to be the only one God. playing on 360? Think so, gonna be yeah. on I Xbox so. One. Yeah, I, it, do you know if there's any difference between the Xbox One version and the 361, which was backwards compatible, like an early, wasn't an early backwards? As long as everybody's playing black, everything's going to be the same. Okay. The only other, you know, update we'd get is like resolution okay. and stuff like that. Um, I actually, it was funny because uh, I was on uh, Facebook and somebody in the fighting game community was like, yeah, man, I got into fighting games because I was playing Ninja Gaiden, and I was tired of beating up on the computer, and I was like, man, what would it be like to fight a human person? So I started to get playing fighting games, and he's like, he's like, man, I love me some Ninja Gaiden Black and some Sigma, and I respond, I'm like, man, I'm about to be playing Ninja Gaiden Black in about a week, and I'm not looking forward to it. And then, like, three people responded and said, yo, I love that game! I love that game! That's one of my favorite games! And I was like, chill out, guys. <laughs> like... Y'all aren't me. <laughs> it is the closest. I will say this before we even start, and I'm not trying to like. It sounds like you, you know, are. Plant the seeds or whatever, but it is the closest thing you will get to a single player fighting game, in my opinion. You must not have played Enslaved Odyssey to the West, my friend. <laughs> 
I mean, I heard that was more like the best platformer ever. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, um, I, I'm I'm joking. I'm joking, <laughs> Trevor. I'm gonna send you a lot of love in the next two weeks because I know this game is about to upset you. At least, hey, I as long as it's got some good traversal in it, <laughs> it's got some of the best traversal, actually. I don't believe him. You'll 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 see when you start wall running and doing all this ninja stuff. So, um, I'm just gonna leave it with that. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, that'll be the next game Ninja Gaiden Black. Uh, not to be confused with Sigma or any of the other Ninja Gaidens, we're playing Black, the Microsoft or the Xbox version, I guess. So, um, the updated port of Ninja Gaiden, yes, it's almost like a game of the year edition. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, we got anything else? Any other? Things we need to get off our chest about this game or Ninja Gaiden? Since I always ask my dumb question every week, like, I always get my one. Um, E3 was a week ago at this point. Or I guess two weeks. So what was everybody's game of the show? You start. Or somebody. I, I don't know, man. I think the only thing I can, like, think of that's still kind of, like, on my mind, I guess, is Cyberpunk. Um, even though we didn't see much of that, but just that initial trailer kind of got me pretty excited. It was a good trailer. For me, um, my number one is definitely The Last of Us 2. I thought that looked really good. And probably followed by that Shadows Die Twice thing looked pretty cool. Oh, which game was that? The... It's by um, the guys that do Dark Souls. Oh, yeah, the they, they showed that at the Xbox press conference, right? Yeah. Okay, all right, now I remember. And, of course, Cyberpunk, like everybody else. For me, so I was out of country, <laughs> and I've been trying to catch up on e- uh, my podcast. Uh, so I did not watch any of E3, uh, which I normally don't. I usually hear about it via podcasts. So I've only heard just up to the first day. I've, I've completed the first day today. So based off what I've heard, Cyberpunk sounds like it's right up my alley. Um, I'm kind of disappointed in what I've heard about uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2. Um, huh. it, doesn't, like, it just doesn't sound like it's what I want it to be, if that makes any sense. Like... I mean, I feel like last year when they showed it was an open world, like, create your own character thing, that was kind of my first impression. Did they show it was open, like, what, the thing that I remember is the monkey cutscene, or trailer. Yeah, they, they had that, but then they also showed, like, hey, this is a really early version, and here's this monkey flying around this ship, and we can go into space, and let me zoom out, and there's, like, 50 I, I, no man's sky level of the main thing i the well i'm not talking about that the main thing is like hey guys want to create art for us assets and that part didn't seem that cool to me uh so i would say cyberpunk and probably control seems kind of cool uh the psyop sounding game that yep. game sounds um, cool pretty awesome and then obviously overcooked too so uh I'm especially now that they have uh, online ability for Overcooked because that was like one of my biggest complaints. Is uh, the first game was couch co-op only. Um, the second game is they added e- emotes and stuff. So 
that will help out if you're playing online and people don't have headsets or anything because it is impossible to play Overcooked without any form of communication. So being able to at least have some emotes in exchange or if you don't have headphones or headset is cool and just the ability to be able to toss food sounds awesome and I'm like like thinking of all the different types of puzzles and stuff that they have that involve that sounds cool and then just making your life simpler where you can put food on a plate or put a plate underneath food where like before you can only put food on a plate just being able to do either or makes things so much better and I'm 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 getting that game day one <laughs> Uh, what about you, Trevor? So, besides, like, the big games, um, like, of course, I'm looking forward to Assassin's Creed, because that's my favorite franchise. Um, I'm looking forward to Anthem. Um, besides those two, I am looking forward to um, Unravel 2. That's already Oh, out. yeah, it sure is. I haven't played it yet, though. Um, Sea of Solitude, uh, Ori and the Will of Wisp, and... Oh, shoot, yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot about that. I need to play the first one. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Smash. Man, I don't have a, I don't have a Switch. Hearts. Kingdom Hearts. I can't get excited. Oh, yeah, Kingdom Hearts 3. That's, I'm excited for that one, too. Dante. I would have put that one on, but the trailers weren't all that great. In my opinion. Quick question: Did they show that Final Fantasy? Like the, <laughs> this is the day one. I'm guessing no. Please be excited, man. Please be excited. Nope. Okay, That's, I, I just was wondering. That, that, the please be excited is just like this meme that happened three years ago. Every time they mention that game, pretty much. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, I think we've rambled. We went on long enough. Uh, nothing else. From anybody else? Go on. And we call it, uh, We're Miss Checkpoints and we're out. Put on the mask. mask.